0: Welcome to ASAR Training and Response Podcast. This is episode three of the COVID-19 pandemic coverage. Please join Eric Thompson and Dr. Kristen Scare as they discuss how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting veterinarians.
1: back everybody to episode three of our special edition dealing with the COVID-19 questions throughout the animal industry and joining me today is Dr. Kristen Scare from Scare Veterinary Clinic down in the Wichita area. Good afternoon Kristen. Good
0: afternoon. Hi Eric.
1: And thank you for joining me and and for those that aren't familiar with with Kristen and I'm being very informal here because Kristen and I have been (laughs) friends. Uh, She is a colleague, a mentor, uh, somebody that I have looked up to in all stages of of my disaster planning and response and the way I build a business. Uh, Kristen is um, a well-respected leader as she helped develop the Kansas State Animal Response Team, in addition to a lot of other projects over the last 20 years in disaster planning and giving... uh, guidance to other states and other programs that look at case art and look at your business to see how you were able to manage those things. So it is with great joy and respect that I have you on the show today to help us explore what uh, effects COVID-19 has had on the individual veterinary practitioner and how that relates to how people are now taking care of their pets and what's going on with the businesses and we're having a lot of questions and and a lot of information out there of of how this works within the veterinary community now so we're looking forward to having you and and hearing uh, any updates that you have.
0: Well thank you it's so nice to be here and it's nice to hear your voice and um man the respect is mutual I, I promise you you've just been so so good to the animal world in Kansas. And I'm grateful to be here.
1: Great. And you are way too kind. So tell us here lately, we've been at it for a little over two weeks now, hot and heavy in Mm COVID-19. What are, are the changes that have been happening down at your clinic?
0: Well, it's, uh, they're fast and furious. And for the first week, it was just, it felt like you were just, um, you know, taking it via fire hose. Um, it's it's kind of i'm getting my head wrapped around it a little bit there have been webinars and emails and just all kinds of information coming from the abma and from accountants and lawyers and and veterinary business groups on how to handle this so um the changes are most veterinary clinics that i have seen and have contact with are moving to what we're calling either people are calling it curbside service or concierge service or white glove service. You know, you have to put a pretty name on it. But what we're doing is basically we've stopped letting clients in the front door. Um, We are doing, uh, taking the pet from the car and getting a history. And I can, I can go into the history forms that we've created. And I mean, it's fast and furious. Um, And then we're doing the, doing the exams and things like that in our exam room with our, With our staff, and then the clients can either wait in the car or we can call them when they're done and they have to pay via phone. So I don't want my staff to be even exposed to credit cards, to handling cash. You know, it's all we're going to all an online platform, you know, PayPal, Venmo. We're looking at all new things trying to decrease staff exposure.
1: You know, that's such a great point we're doing the same in the in our training realm is how do we not pass paper how do we not pass pens how right. do we not pass credit cards and you know we've gone to a qr code system well people come into a training class and they scan a qr code nice. and that brings up a form on their phone that they can put their name and address and their contact information and checkbox the waiver and then they can check in daily just by scanning that qr code and that's then we send nice. everything via pdf so i can completely relate to don't hand things off to my staff besides your pet um, right and, and how are the how are the animals reacting to that coming out of the car are they good with with staff coming in or are they reluctant are you seeing any changes in behavior by going that extra step
0: we had a lot of, uh, of concern about that because we have had st- lots of our staff have gone through some of the um, low stress handling techniques and the fear-free training and things like that all that stuff that's out there and we were thinking oh my gosh how is this going to be fear free how are we going to do low stress handling because most of these are our current patients they know us and we've really had a clients have been handling it we've only had a handful and not even a handful a couple that have they've been they've been outraged but and and frankly kind of rude but when you when you get down when you talk to them and try to figure out what's going on they're stressed out from they've lost their job or they're, they're independent contractors and they don't have any work coming in. So people are stressed from every other thing and it just comes out sometimes at the easiest target, you know, which may be your veterinarian or your veterinary staff or the grocery store clerk or whomever you're in front of. So um, the very first client that we did uh, curbside service was the first day he just went off on me and i said you know i'm scared too and this sucks and i hate it and there's nothing more that i would like to have this go away and he said you know i'm not mad at you i'm just mad because my job my job's dried up i don't have any money coming Mm. in i said i get that i really do get that so you know we're we already veterinarians tend to um have to provide some we're not mental health providers but we do have to you know think about the human that's behind the animal. So if we can keep the human less stressed, then that provides the patient less stress as well. And so that it's kind of this, this cycle that we have to keep the human okay, the pets okay. They come in. They get their stuff done. They already know us. They get lots of peanut butter. Gets lot. They, they get lots of cheese. Um, you know, they're getting. Now wait,
1: is that the owner or the animal?
0: <laughs> uh, there are plenty of times I wanted to put it on the owner's face too, but <laughs> uh, the animals. They know coming into my clinic that there is peanut butter as much as they possibly want, or spray cheese. You know, cheese whiz. Um, so I think that because we've been we've practiced this for so long, being fear free and or at least practicing techniques that go along with fear-free and low stress handling that patients, 90% of them already know, hey, this is a fun place to go. And they're out very quickly. The AVMA has also recommended cutting out um, non-essential procedures. So we're not doing, right now, we're not doing many spays and neuters. We're not doing the elective early grade dentistries that we would like to do for prevention. Um, some of the vaccines, although, we can get into that i think some of the vaccines are essential services as well we're rabies preventers you know um but uh so the patients have been pretty good they're handling it very well
1: yeah and that brings up a good point and we'll try not to go down the rabbit hole too far but it came up in a, an actual federal conversation the other day uh people that are losing their jobs and when it comes down to buying groceries or buying heartworm medicine for their animal every month The animal probably may not get the heartworm medicine that it needs uh, in that preventative. And I know that they are starting to look at some programs where, you know, we're we're seeing um, lots of dog food uh, being provided through programs now uh, because stores have run out. So we're seeing feeding programs pop up. So we hope to eventually see Um, some of the companies uh, donate a product like the heartworm preventative that can be distributed uh, during this crisis also because you hit the nail on the head when you've got nothing left and your job is done, you're stuck at home and you've got nothing left to look forward to, (laughs) here's your your four-legged furry baby, you know, that's full of, of everything that you need right then and there and that's the most important thing uh and and it's it is outstanding that people do realize that because we actually um it's important in planning peace um so
0: yeah well let me interrupt for a minute well that's why we've worked so hard in this in this community to help we have programs set up for homeless people and pets we've been doing that for five years now Um, and now we're going to see more of that need and some before this covid crisis we had Um, uh, some of our airline industry in town laid off 7,000 people about two months before this started. So we worked with some of our industry partners at my clinic, at least, and they donated a bunch of heartworm prevention. And we put the word out, if you're one of our our current clients and you're having a hard time giving your, your pet heartworm prevention, we'll give you one month at a time until our supplies are out. And we just put the word out that that goes now, we have enough supply that if you've lost your job because of this, we'll give it out until it's gone.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: It's it. Well, I reached out prior to this because I I knew the need was going to be there. Thank goodness I did. You know
1: right well and and you know you're taking steps uh, in your area that we're just now seeing some of these larger communities uh look at in the homeless population that has pets and if that homeless population becomes ill it's yeah. who's going to care for that animal and and we're talking and, and i'm you know i i call it long-term sheltering but two weeks or more you know, for this animal to be in some sort of yeah. sheltering environment, and our agencies ready for that, especially if they have a large homeless population, uh, or or older population that that have pets that um, are going to be left behind, and what that's going to look like, and so we're we've got a lot of agencies digging deep on that. So I'm glad you have made those communications, shook those hands, and and I know you do a lot of volunteerism in your community outside of your clinic to bridge those gaps and big kudos to you because it, it pays off to to have that communication ahead of time
0: it's 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 been a it's been a big thing yeah um, hopefully I don't know I, I think right now that the the, the homeless uh, some of the different agencies that are taking care of homeless are just scrambling trying to trying to protect their staff and take care of the human so I think I think the pet situation is going to lag a little behind, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. There are some veterinary clinics that I've seen put out. Can you hear my dogs barking? I'm sorry. No, no, that's good. <laughs> that's natural. We we like dogs barking on this show. Okay, good. That um, there, I've seen some veterinary clinics put out information saying if you're if you have COVID. We will not see your pet, and I just think, how is that going to be possible? Because pets are going to get sick. You know, they're going to get sick. They're going to need services. So we've got to find a way as a veterinary community to, um, you know, make sure our staff knows how to use the personal protective equipment and that we have enough, but we don't hoard it, so that we're protecting our human human counterparts too.
1: Yeah, re- really good. So uh, from from either questions from your staff or questions from your clients, are are you getting more common questions that deal with either animals being a fomite, animals carrying the virus, how do people protect themselves? Or are you getting common yes. questions in your practice? Yes.
0: Um, my staff has been concerned about it and I'm mainly concerned. I've seen two different, I've seen this handled in two different ways. Um, veterinary clinics are asking Owners to remove their leash and collar in the parking lot. We'll put two slip leads on your pet, um, and then take the pet into the clinic because that collar and that leash potentially is a fomite. Well, that scares the heck out of me too because I don't want a dog getting loose in the parking lot. You know, you've known me long enough to know how much of a pet peeve that is for me. Mm. So my staff is we're really trying to make sure that we're handling things with gloves we're using good um, bio husbandry to to uh, try to keep things clean not not allow these leashes and collars to infect one of my staff members so they've been concerned about that they need to know they want to know is it true should we not wear masks or do we wear masks because some of the information that's coming down I don't think is necessarily accurate and and I don't feel like some of the some of the Uh, leadership that we've had on this has been, you know, it's, it's all over the place. And I think everybody's, you know, trying to catch it as fast as they can, but not necessarily taking time to make sure this is accurate stuff that's coming out. Mask, no mask, gloves, no, no gloves, you know, all that kind of stuff
1: yeah it really is all over the place still and and we're hoping that it, we're starting to see more testing done and and we're starting to get some better information but uh, when, a, <laughs> when it boils down to it all nobody's gonna stand hard and fast on this is the way you should 100% do things because they still don't know yeah. and um, everything from the people that have the overabundance of, of caution that that says you know you need to be in full PPE to those saying listen if there's a fomite on there you know do your best to keep your face out of the fur and let's just go Uh, uh, and and that's what we've been working on with the ACOs on how do we load into a truck you know if we've got a known suspect uh, uh, or coming out of a a positive house and and you know it's funny because we started working on on loading hazardous dogs and I call them hazardous dogs dogs with hazardous materials on them like fentanyl coming out of meth houses and drug houses Mm -hmm. And, and we started working on that about six months ago and funny enough much of the biosecurity thing translate over. Um, but it's it's interesting now. I think things are starting to calm down a little bit. We're getting some good messaging out there that, yeah. um, you know, there is no evidence that these pets are going to carry this, but testing continues. And my question is always when they start the pet testing, what are you going to do when you get a positive? Because right. You know, right now we've had all negatives, which is great. And then I said, well, how do you know the test is valid if you're getting all negatives and we don't exactly. have a positive? <laughs> um,
0: exactly. And, the one thing I was thinking that if – I certainly don't want pets to get this, but I can guarantee you people would stay home more if they thought it would affect their dogs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, no. we're not willing to protect ourselves, but we are. Most of us would go to the mat for our animals, which is an interesting uh, psychological phenomenon. I think. Right. No, it,
1: it is, and and that's great though. But, yeah. um, you know, we're we're seeing a change in times, and here recently, FDA relaxed some of their uh, restrictions on on how medicine is performed yep. and and diagnosed. What are your thoughts on the movement towards telemedicine for pets?
0: I I think it's long time coming, and honestly, I've drugged my feet on it for. Um, the last couple of years, knowing that I needed to, to, get, it, to get it going, but I just haven't done it. Um, and in the last couple of days, I've, I've ramped that up and I've already done a couple of telemedicine conferences. I've already, I just sent an email out, out to my team on, I think that telemedicine is going to be good for medical progress exams for a limping dog so we can see how they're doing. Um, skin, I could have the owner show me skin um, on a medical progress exam in some cases, I think it'll be good for, let's say the, you know, there's some relaxation of the guidelines on the veterinary patient client relationship. And if I have somebody who hasn't been in in a year, March 28th was the last time that they were in or the 27th, I guess is today. So March 27th of 2019 was the last time they were in. Yet they need a refill on heartworm prevention or thyroid meds or whatever that is. Maybe we can do telemedicine now one month at a time until this is over and then say, you must come in so we can see your pet once this is over, but at least telemedicine, I can extend that VPCR maybe just a little bit. Um, you know, So we're finding finding ways to to do this. I've had clients that are immunocompromised who said, I don't wanna come in, but could you look at my pet via telemedicine? I've done a couple of those. It, was a, it worked well. Um, so it's high time. I, I think this will push the industry where it needs to be.
1: No, that that's great, and and I I'm like you, uh, things are, need to change a little bit. This is not going to be the the last pandemic we ever see. I yeah. think this has been the the great wake up call, and things will will change. I know we're we're changing things on our end the way we're going to do things from here on out. So, um, yeah. telemedicine is is interesting to to be part of that. So now, if somebody does use telemedicine with you, or or you do have to, uh give a prescription. You know, we talk about big business versus local veterinary clinics. Yes. Can you kind of talk about how that interaction works and and really the, the need for, for local support for their veterinary clinics?
0: Oh, it's, it's, I mean, need has always been there, but it can't be more timely. We, as a, we are, most of us are still locally owned businesses, although corporations are owning about 30% of veterinary medicine in the, in the United States, we think about 30%. Still 70% of us are are mom and pop shops, or locally owned. And we, right now, every single locally owned veterinarian that I know is still guaranteeing their staff their pay. Whether they're working the hours or not, I know I am. I guaranteed my staff 35 hours. They may be working 20, but I'm gonna pay them as long as I can. Um, The federal government will come down with some help for me, I know that. I've been looking at that. But in order to be able to pay my staff and not have to furlough or lay people off, I need my customers to support me. I'm still a business. I know people don't look at veterinary medicine as a business, but we definitely are. And we need that income from people purchasing medications from our online store or, or in clinic, although we will take it out to the car for you. And our prices are super competitive. I, I know that the online platforms are, Super easy. They deliver right to your house. Um, so, you know, there's been been a big push to buy local from your local restaurants. Buy local from your local veterinarian too.
1: Gosh, great point. Because uh, we do forget, and and uh, that the veterinarians are an actual small business owner that that needs that support. Uh, and it's easy for people to watch a commercial on TV and say, "Oh, I should order online there," and yeah. and um, when in fact it's it's so needed to have that support locally.
0: We we are we're we're huge employers and in Wichita and in the state and the in the United States veterinary medicine is and you know for a long time people have looked at us and said, Oh, well, why can't you just treat this pet for free? You know, you love pets, you should treat it for free. <laughs> well, this is just an extension of that same mentality. You know, we need we need support from our customers and we have to be able to keep the doors open and keep our staff um, employed. I really want to keep my staff employed.
1: Right. So, you, you kind of alluded to it, and I think we we always have known this is there to some extent, but watching stressful times like this and having a staff of of 22 at your clinic that you are in a leadership role, that you have, you know, a, a need to care for, it's, it's a big family down there, um, and then you have the people that have lost their jobs and You know are venting on you and dumping their garbage on you and then you have people that aren't caring for their pets for one reason or another that you just want to you know slap upside the head and say what uh, you know what is going on with you and And, you know, there's always a lot of stress in the veterinary community and we see sad stories all the time. How do you, how do you lead your team? How do you encourage them to mitigate that stress in an appropriate way? And what does that look like for you guys?
0: That's a really great question. And, uh, you know, we we have, honestly, we have the fourth suicide rate in the United States because of the compassion fatigue in Veteran Medicine. And I certainly have experienced it myself. That's, I dropped off the art board uh, a year and a half ago because of the severe toll that my outreach and my practice were taking on me. And so it was either them or me, and I just, I chose me. And um, I I've, I've, honestly, I've been kind of a crummy leader off and on the last couple of weeks because I've let my emotions get to me. I let this flood of, 300 emails a day with all this information get to me. And I'm just, I've been trying, I think I've overloaded my team on certain situations with too much information when I knew better. And I have apologized to them on certain instances when I've gotten a little grouchy. So I think I'm just trying to lead by example. Every single day, I try to practice wellness. Um, I honestly, I meditate, I do my yoga, I walk my dogs. I work really hard on my own mental health. And I try to lead as an example for my staff and check in with them every day. How are you doing? How's your husband's job? What's up with your kids' daycare? Um, because they're they're exhausted. Even if they're not working full hours, the stress of this is exhausting. And um, and I I do worry about them all very much. But I think that they know that I. What they've told me is that they know that I'm going to go to the mat for them until I can't. And That was the office calling me, as a matter of fact.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like, hey, going to the Matthew, and then it cut out. And I'm like, where did she go? That
0: was, that was the phone ringing with the clinic calling me, so I'll call him back. Um, but, you know, they, I, think, I think they take comfort knowing that I'm going to exhaust everybody's savings I have in order to keep their paychecks coming, because um, that's what you do for people that you love.
1: Right and leading by example is is one of those things that we you know think is easy and you know I I have been in that boat where um I and the more I I I used to really try to hide it uh is I would go out and I'd put a smile on my face and and then I'd come back and I would pay for it later by by compartmentalizing all that. And now in my older age, I'm like, listen, here's the God honest truth. You either get on board or get away from me because I yep. don't care anymore. We've yep. got to get this done and I'm done being nice. We can be nice later, but
0: let's work and let's get this I'm, done. I'm the same, well, I think you and I are about the same age and I'm the same way. In fact, this week at one point I said, here's, uh, we've collaborated with some uh, some of my friends in town, two other business owners that we're going to, we're going to trade Saturdays with each other for a while, just to give all of our team a little mental break. So I'm taking this Saturday and I'm on call for three clinics this coming Saturday mm. um, for their sick pets. And I said to my team, I need y'all here this Saturday. And I, I want you to remember I'm not in the mood for complainers.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, that's it. Just put the sign up. Number one rule, no drama.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> love it.
1: Well, Kristen, what else can, can we talk about um, that we can get issues out for folks to consider as, as we continue on with this for the next couple of weeks, months for the veterinary community? Are, are you forecasting or, or are you got anything in your plans that these communities should consider that is going to be a role to, to play with their local veterinarians?
0: Um, I, I think I, I'm planning through may 1 that's my thought with us, and we may have a couple of waves of this. Um, honestly, look up and ask your veterinarian are they, are they locally owned or are they owned by a large corporation because there are some that are owned by the Mars Corporation, which is a, a privately held, privately held company in the United States owns a large portion of the veterinary clinics here in this, in this country and I think it makes a difference. I think at least people would like to know. They assume that some of these are privately owned, that may not be. So ask. Um, uh, you know, support them. Buy your buy your stuff from them. Understand when things are changing, when their hours have changed, when they may not be able to provide um, your wellness vaccine appointments immediately for your pet. Just have a little patience with each other. That's the biggest thing that I think we all need to do. Be kind. Be patient. I hope we come out on the other side of this, uh, change society and that we're all a little a little nicer to one another, to be quite honest.
1: Yeah, there, there's gotta be an upside somewhere when this is all said and done. So, well, we've been talking with Dr. Kristen Scare down at Scare Veterinary Clinic in the Wichita area. Uh, if you are down in the Wichita area, look Dr. Scare up at, what's your website, Kristen?
0: www.skaervet.com s-k-a-e-r-v-e-t.com
1: outstanding and you can also if you're looking for additional information um, we are still posting cross posting uh, on avma on uh, the acertraining.com website keep an eye on that uh, covid19 banner i am updating uh, documents as they come out so they're fresh on there And if you have additional topics or questions that we can answer, email us at info at training.com and we can, uh, if you've got questions for Dr. Scare, we can always readdress that and have her back. Or if you've got other focus of, of what we're working on with these special editions, let us know and we'll have those on. We're still waiting for our sheltering piece uh, guidelines to come out from CDC, and when those come out, we'll get those hot off the press to you. Kristen, good luck, stay safe, and thank you for all your time with us today. Any parting last words of wisdom for
0: our crew? No, be safe and, and love on your pets. They're going to be the best source of wellness and mental health that we can get.
1: Well said. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks, Eric.